Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to an explosive episode of the School for Wayward Nerds, the only podcast that can pull itself out of a hat without even owning one. Here to help pull the episode together, we have Toby. Hello. And Kyle. Hello. If you hadn't guessed, I am in charge this episode, Mm -hmm. so prepare to be disappointed. This episode, we are going to learn about another couple that has just as much firepower as the two of us, and even maybe some of the same amount of scars. That's the thing. I'm wondering which couple you're referring to, because this is a relationship-heavy series. Exactly. It's a, to say it's a series is probably an overstretch. We're covering just two single issues of Detective Comics. 843 and 844. Mm-hmm. Late 2000s? 2008. Yeah, there you go. Um, we sort of picked it because it's a favourite of mine. Yes. It's got a good team working behind it. They do good things with the characterizations of everyone. Yes. It's one of my quintessential ones that I go back to, especially at the moment, where I'm dealing with a lot of my comics feeling like just commercials to buy the next month's issue Mm. and there's not a lot of content that's grabbing me at the minute Mm. whereas these were the type of issues that really built my following in the first place sort of a bigger one to go back to yeah did did you want to finish the comment that you started with just then or are we moving on so it's about other relationships okay no i just picked it because it had good it was good things. Okay. Um, so, as we said, we are going to start by looking at issue 843. Mm-hmm. It is also known as Opening Night. Ow. And also, that didn't go anywhere near me. Um, it was written in June 2008 by Paul Dini, with art by Dustin Noonan and Derek Fridioff. Mm-hmm. Fridioff. Sorry um, for all names that these... are incorrect. These issues are obviously easily found in like short boxes in your local comic store, but it's also in, I think it's called, maybe it's Bruce Wayne's Private Case Files? Yes, I did. Which was just a compilation of good, short, Paul Dini issues. Ah. Um, So within the first first page of the comic, we Mm -hmm. see Batman stopping a new volcano-themed nightclub from blowing up. And it happened to be right down the road from the infamous Iceberg Lounge. Yeah. And I, I love that first page of just a splash of him just, like, swinging from his grapple line. It, um, it's, it's that really nice Dustin Nugent artwork. Yeah. It's all very sleek. It is. Most people know him for from Little Gotham. You can give that a Google and give us your reaction to the listeners. But when he was on, like, um, what's it called? Like, the... He did, like, a side book. Um, I wrote it down. Look at me go. I didn't write it down. Um, he worked with Paul Dini for quite a bit. Mm-hmm. They did a few issues of Detective. They went off and did their Heart of Hush stuff and really fleshed out characters. But the art that goes with it complements it super well. He did some Heart of Hush. Mm-hmm. He did some Manifest. Is it Streets of Gotham might be the series I'm thinking of. 
defeated and Superman unchained. Mm-hmm. Batman Tales from Beyond the Crime. Oh, he's worked on quite a lot of stuff. Yeah, I like his style. It's all very angular and sharp, but not in a way that's like pointy. Yeah. It's got, it's, I guess momentum's the word I'm thinking of here. Um, so because we're down the road from Iceberg Lounge, naturally the penguin is questioned about his involvement. Mm-hmm. Um, I love this scene so much. It is, again, because it's Paul Dini touching it. Yeah. Almost every representation of the characters in this are just perfect, as far as I'm concerned. I like, I like my penguin to be out of it. Yeah. He's not out doing umbrella heists and bird-themed statue theft like he is in the 60s. He's a connected man. Yeah. But he's making more money playing with his iceberg lounge than he is selling, you know, weapons and illegal animals. Yeah. Though he does have a cassowary in this scene. Mm -hmm. Well, he does have his bird collection, but he's not like... He's he's not villainy in. No. No. He's just a club owner Hmm. with a very weird collection. Oh, he's still eccentric as fuck, but he's, you know, he's not the, you know, the Danny DeVito one running around with a circus gang. Yeah. Um, we see that he's trying to get rid of, like, the questioning pretty quickly because he happens to have some company. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's, like, I guess he's, like, on a date, so to speak. Yeah. He's got a lady back at his place. And And I love that the progression of it it would make for a good episode or scene in a film Mm. where you know he's talking to the girl he goes away to get champagne and she just hears glass break and she's like you okay it's like oh i just dropped a glass but batman has come through a window yeah and he's already like got him by the throat yeah but batman's nice enough to like keep the conversation hushed he doesn't just race in there and be like i think it's one of those I think Batman is like a dude who will beat the shit out of anyone and anything he can. Yeah. If necessary. But it's easier just to talk to the Penguin than threaten him. Yeah. I don't think Penguin is... I think you would get less out of him if you did beat him. Mm. Because he'd just be like, no. Yeah. Um, I just find it weird to have like a super hot supermodel on a date with the Penguin. He got Demani's and he connected. I understand that, but I just, you know, maybe it's because of the whole Danny DeVito thing. I just can't get behind it. She also literally could just be there, like, for a job. They could be hiring her as a singer, like Black Canary was doing in the Iceberg Lounge at the start of New 52 and shit. Yeah, maybe. Um, anyway, through questioning Penguin, we learned that the owner of the volcano club mm-hmm. is johnny sabatino um and he's managed to line up zatanna zatara as his opening night act that um before we jump into explaining who zatanna is mm-hmm. that big hologram like sign at the front of her it's pretty cool if you haven't read the issue picture the shark from back to the future yeah. Remember the ad for, what is it, Jaws, like five or six, or maybe even seven, I don't remember. It's pretty far down the Jaws lines. But it's like that, but good. Yeah. Yeah. And a really hot lady. Yeah. 
um, we actually see a little bit of how he managed to accomplish getting Satana's stay show in Vegas. Um, and I bring this up because her payment for the gig is 50000 to a charity of her choice. And even then, the gig only happens after the money goes through, which is extremely smart when you're dealing with, you know, crime laws she and stuff with Gotham. Yeah, I like that she probably doesn't need money. Not well, just that she lives thing. in that big fucking mansion with it's, all her dad's money. But I feel pretty, like she's too magic to need finance. Yeah, and that's the thing. It's a pretty impressive request, and it's totally believable of Zatanna to do. Mm. Um, and it's a refreshing look when we think about how some of the other women which make the DC lineup, um, and that, you know, it's nothing against the others, but she's this famous um, magician. She's a proud woman. She's a sweetheart, and all at the same time. Yeah, um... She's I, just, like, a very well-rounded character. I like that she's, like, an... Almost an overpowered entertainer first. Yeah. Magical consultant for the JLA second. Yeah. She, she's, like, the perfectly built guest star for story arcs that mm. require magic. I'm not a big fan of her being a part of Justice League Dark. Because it takes her away from being that character. Yeah. But again, this is the perfect version paul dini's version of zatanna i think it was maybe 12 issues long but it was really good well so to give everyone some context zatanna zatara was created in 1964 Mm -hmm. by gardner fox and murphy anderson gardner fox has popped up a million times for us he's one of the guys who have really shaped gotham over the years but very early on like silver age sort of stuff Um, She is an actual magician who also practices stage magic, uh, much like her father Giovanni Zatara. So she is magical, but she pretends that she's not magical in order to do magic. Yeah, her magic, her stage show is like bluffing. Yeah. She's like, oh, I'm totally not doing this through like Harry Potter-esque bullshit. I just it, and then, it's and then a that confusing makes... sentence to write, and I'm like, I need to explain that she is magical, but she pretends that she's not magical in order to be magical. Hmm. Okay, a picture, picture that one really like incredible wizard that was an extra in the background of the first movie mm. that was used like using magic without a wand, which apparently is impossible. Yeah. But that guy, imagine that dude. But he was Chris Angel on the side. Um, as you've already said, she is very well known through her engagement with the Justice League. Mm-hmm. Um, she has a childhood connection with Batman, which is brought up several times in today's I, issues. That may be a Paul Dini edition as well. It was. Because that's very animated series, if I recall correctly. It was something that he added to her overall story thing. I think for Batman to be the second best escape artist in DC, Mr. Miracle shout out, mm-hmm. he would have to train with some pretty high ranking fuckers and I would say uh, John Zatara or he's Giovanni. Giovanni. It, it depends on who's writing at the time. Yeah. But I feel like he'd be a good tutor for that sort of stuff. Um, Zatanna has managed to make the crossover to Vertigo mm-hmm. because she regularly partners up with John Constantine. Which is our other superpower boy. Which is weird because they're so opposite ends of magical shit. Yeah. 
opposites attract. They complement each other. They both know, like... Well, they're both experts of each end of stuff, yeah. Um, Her powers are mostly a generic hand-me-down from her father. Mm -hmm. Um, Meaning that she casts a lot of her spells by saying them backwards. Which is a canon thing. Mm. on occasion, she has been able to cast spells by saying them normally. Which makes people think that maybe she only says spells backwards so that she's like her dad. I believe originally it was because, like, you see a lot of spellcasters and stuff using little sigils in their speech bubbles. Mm. And it could be any old shit. A lot of the time it's just gibberish. It's not like they were using the Futurama language or the Codex from Gravity Falls. They were just doing squiggles. Yeah. By writing it backwards, it looks like a spell. But, but the reader can, yeah, the reader. It's pig Latin. Yeah, exactly, and the you know the reader can get the vibes yeah, of what's if, happening. If you know what, same as pig Latin. If you know mm. what you're looking for, it's really easy to understand. But for anyone that doesn't know the code, it just looks or sounds like some weird mumbo jumbo. Yeah, I, I just like it because it's like a really good way of demonstrating magic, but also being read. Mm. Um, in case you. Like the sound of her, she has also made an appearance in quite a few shows, including the animated series, Justice Batman like Beyond, Unlimited. Unlimited, Brave and the Bold, the new Harley Quinn cartoon. Mm-hmm. Uh, she was also in Smallville. Mm-hmm. So every fucking made it to Smallville. You know, person. Now I believe she's also in the Flash television series novelization because ah. they probably can't I, do I her in the budget. Gonna say. Yeah, because she appears in the Flash novelization. Aquaman and Atlantis is in the Supergirl novelization. Just just the stuff they couldn't afford to do on a CW budget got written down instead. Nice. Um, she does appear in a bunch of other shows and games and literally everything else. She's, she's a, a great popular character. Yeah, but that's what I like about her is she's a sly she's main character. She's never the main person, but she's always there. Mm, she's one of those good, like, on the side. Mm. So how do you feel about Zatanna overall? Well, like I said, she's built to be like such a good complement to any character she's around. Mm. And she's also very unique. When you think about the main staples of Justice League, there is no magic to be seen. No. Like, at all. No. Well, Martian has a little bit. Yeah, but it's more... That's more sci-fi nonsense than magic magic. It's not like he was a wizard on Mars. No. Yeah, she's she has such a corner on such a big market. Mm. But that's mysticism. What I'm saying. Like, even if you put her next to Wonder Woman, mm. I found I find Zatanna more interesting. Is it the fishnets? Is it the little no, bow ties? I let's have... let's say that real quick. Wait. She dresses very cool. She does, and I've been considering the fact that I like her and I like um, Black Canary. Maybe it is just the fishnets. And you just like leotards and fishnets. But when you look at her next to, like, Wonder Woman, mm. Wonder Woman is... Shit, maybe that's part she of the is, secret of Zatanna. She is the Zatana. mirror of the men. She's mm. equally as strong. She's equally as fast. She's equally as a woman can do anything a man can do. Mm-hmm. Zatanna's like, oh, no, I can't do that. However, I can do worse. Hmm. And you will sit there and you will take and it. Magic and then of... afterwards, we will smile and we will drink a cup of tea. Hmm. And I like that 
yeah, I can kick your ass, but I'm not going to be an asshole about it. One thing that you've sort of made me realize is the consistency. Whereas Wonder Woman has had give or take like 20 fucking attempts at an origin story. Yeah. Never quite identical as the last time. You know, one of her best story arcs where she's a Greek god. Made out of clay. All the New 52 stuff was good, but it clashed and went against all other representations. Yeah. Whereas Zatanna is identical, dead set perfect every time. New 52 took away her top hat. Yeah. That's about the worst she's ever had as far as retcons and shit go. Mm. So anytime she pops up, you, you sort of know what you're doing. Okay. So back to the comic. Yeah. The following night we see Zatanna is using Bruce Wayne as a volunteer in her stage show. Mm-hmm. The pair share a number of quips while they're on stage and, like, because he's already broken out of her, like, restraints and she's like, can you not, like, make it so obvious, like, make it look like I'm a good magician up here? And mm. he's like, I am. Hang on. Yeah. Um... But clearly there's some chemistry there because an audience member asks if they're a couple, which Bruce is very quick to shut down. He, he always is. Of it, course. It clashes with his, I'm totally a bachelor and I've definitely never spent at least a year training with this woman. <laughs> However, moments later at the bar, Zatanna brings up that she wouldn't be completely against the idea of the two of them together. All right, this is a side bar that needs to be discussed. We talk Starfire Batgirl on, like, the Nightwing thing all the time. Who needs to... Who needs Batman in the end? What's the relationship for you? Is it Catwoman? Wonder Woman had a lot of... Tries with him in Justice League Unlimited, so a lot of people carry that because that shit is the perfectest canon so far. You've also got... um, I think Talia al Ghul's hurt herself by giving us Damien. So we don't really trust her with our Bruce no more. Look, you just... You just... Why? Why did you have to give him to us? I'm fine fine with them giving us that kid. No. No, because he was planned to die. He got that. We got him dead. Okay, abortion him. He sold a lot of issues... So they pulled his sarcophagus out of Apocalypse with the Halbat suit. And then they were like, oh, well, now he's not dead in Apocalypse. He's fine here. Or whatever the fuck. I was fine with him just going and letting Tim Drake stay the best Robin. I Look, <laughs> I know that we have the argument about Nightwing. Mm-hmm. But, but who's the Bruce? That's a, that's a tricky one. I don't see Bruce with anyone. You want him to die sad and alone? No. Like he, but like, I he don't like he's see definitely him. gonna in Batman Beyond. The, the thing with <laughs> the thing with Bruce is, and I think, like I would like to keep this for the end of what happens. Hmm. We'll go into it like properly, but do you not have a pick? Not romantically, because I feel like there's so much going on. That he can't give, and he knows Look, no, he can't give anyone. I guess you're kind of right can. because whereas I'm... whereas Dick doesn't have that, no. in my opinion, like he is clearly the person that like 
He can be sidetracked by a he, woman. He he, it's not all mission. And that's the thing. He understands love on that scale. I Life think, goes on despite his mission. But that's the thing. I don't think... And don't get me wrong. I don't think it's that Bruce doesn't love the family. You're not out here claiming he's an incel. No. <laughs> I think I think he loves the boys and he loves Alfred. But that love is very different to... A romantic relationship. No, again. And I don't think he knows how to give that. Again, I'm obviously the biggest Paul Dini fanboy there is, but in one of the Mr. Freeze episodes of the animated series, Mm. Mr. Freeze himself brings up that Bruce Wayne lost his family and he's just trying to build a surrogate family ever since. But that's the thing. I don't... I think he he has built a family and he loves his family. Mm. But that's it. He, He can never have that woman standing next to him. Hmm. Because I don't think there's one woman that could satisfy what he needs. Because he never had that. Like, the only love that he saw in that capacity was his mother and father. But he saw that destroyed, so why would you replace it? He never saw a child destroyed because he was the child. He never saw... Like, he doesn't understand how to equalize that relationship out and he tries and he tries and he tries but it never gets there Hmm. and that's why like i can sit there and i can ship dick with 400 different people because i think him. i think we named about 40 characters when we covered him him as a character he never went through like he normal teenage boy bruce was over here training to kill the crap out of everyone that came near him yeah so I don't know. That's my. That's I don't. I don't know. I could almost swing a bunny Vreeland. Is it bunny? No, Veronica. Bunny's a kid in the Batman Beyond. Mm. Like just the other preppy kid that hung out with Bruce. Yeah. I could see that happening. But as far as like heroes and shit, I'd probably prefer Wonder Woman over anyone. Yeah. I think she understands his what he's like. Yeah. You know. That's the thing. I think Selena's in a similar. Like, look, I'm still grieving from the wedding. I know it's been like a year. I feel that. And the Zatanna in this is really well done. Their chemistry is fucking incredible. But that's the thing. I think it's one of those. No, things... here's my theory. Yeah. Is it is it because Paul Dean is the best Batman writer we've ever seen, or is it because he's practiced because he's married to a fucking magician woman? <laughs> You know, is he just, like, stealing his own quips from life itself? No, you see, I think it's, that is very possible. It's just a good theory. I think it's got a lot to do with the fact that they're on that level where if they ever got together, it would completely work out. But they can never get together. Like, yeah. the universe is just like, these two are not supposed to be there. Because the Tana is almost like his conscience. And he somewhat is for her, too. Like, they're just... I think they're too close for it to ever work. Yeah. They're work buddies. Yeah. Um, anyway. <laughs> Sorry, I, that's just such a... It's a, it's a question that never gets asked, but it's a very easy debate to fall into, because he's had as many relationships as Dick. I mean, we've, we've just gone, what, ten minutes talking about it, so... Yeah. And we know full well if White Collar was here, he'd be talking about Chase Marie. Blech. Who, who are we kidding? 
Yeah, they actually sure. ended on good terms at the end of that movie, and then she disappeared. Forever. Forever. Um, <sighs> Action movie relationships. Where do they go? Back to the comic. Sorry, I was about to start talking about how Hilary Duff disappeared from Agent Cody Banks too, but you're right, we should talk about the comic. <laughs> so, as I was saying, Zatanna mentions that she'd be down for it because she managed to see a different side of him after she got shot by the Joker a couple of issues earlier. And he spent the entire night by her side until he was sure she was okay and then went out after the Joker. Hmm. Which is very Bruce of him. Like, he is a very caring man. Yeah. We just don't regularly see it. Certainly not in the movies, but he is a very caring detective. Like, his whole oath oh, yeah. is about not letting the tragedy that hit him hit others. It's not about him getting mad and punching in vengeance. Mm-hmm. Depending on who's writing it. Exactly. Uh, it is a Batman comic, however, so... So he is inevitably going to punch things. We can't have a tender moment for too long. Um, moments later, we hear gunshots running out throughout the bar. And I have kind of skipped a little bit that I'm going to come back to, but bear with me. We can cycle around. It's two issues. Exactly. Two abstract-ass issues that no one really cared about but us. <laughs> can't be avoided, though. So, gunshots run out throughout the bar, and we learn that Sabatino had been lured to his office, thinking it was Zatanna who he's been, like, trying to chat up since he booked her, and she's been, like, waving him off the entire time. Um, he was lured in there by Scarface. Now, for those of you who casually dabble in detective comics, you probably know that Star... Star... Scarface. Scarface is a ventriloquist puppet. Yeah, he was also appearing more or less like a weird cameo in the Arkham games. Because mm-hmm. Arnold Wesker's not in the asylum, but the Scarface dummy is. Yes. Um, he's been showing his face around Gotham since 1988. Mm-hmm. However, he is usually attached to, as you said, Arnold Wesker. Again, more good Paul Dini animated series episodes. In Face the Face, Wesker was killed... And Scarface was picked up by someone named Peyton Riley. Mm-hmm. Riley is a mafia princess whose husband shot her in the face. Yes. He shot her in the face. Yeah. I like when you see the scarring. It doesn't do it a lot. All right, so the ventriloquist was made mm-hmm. by John Wagner and the fucking behemoth detective team. That is Alan Grant and Norm Bryfogle. Oh, yeah. So they came in after Dark Knight Returns. because It's in 88. We're two years past now. Mm-hmm. Everything is so dark and gritty, and it's going to ruin every Batman film I watch for the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. But these two had this really perfect balance of, let's do this dark, realistic take. Let's not make him an absolute prick. They definitely had a huge drugs are bad agenda. You don't see a lot of actual villains. It's mostly Batman punching meth dealers. Yeah. But there's still a little charm to it. Like, they did a really good job. And one of the characters they brought us was the ventriloquist and Scarface. Yeah. Um, I feel like they're a good quiet character. Because there was a lot of big overpowered shit happening in the 80s. Like, specifically in 1988. Yeah. To compete with... Batman just beat up Superman two years ago in Dark Knight Returns. 
So this is the same year we got Cornelia Sturk. Mm-hmm. Is that a character? I have no clue who that Doesn't is. ring a lot of bells because they never use him no more. Good. Um, he's like a weird... He looks like Gollum from Lord of the Rings. He is a Gotham City cannibal. Cool. I'd like to see more cannibalism. It's kind of fucking fascinating. But we um, don't get a lot of him no more. Sure. I don't like when he's a psychic shapeshifter. That I just like a cannibal. Yeah, right. Okay, right? yeah. This is the same year we got KG Beast. That's a character, you know, big the big eyes, Russian yeah. Bang. I mean, not Bang. He's, he's, he's Deathstroke. Fuck Deathstroke. Um, you've got Typhoid Mary from Marvel, who's a Daredevil character. She makes people around her sick, like the actual Typhoid Mary. Okay. Um, we've also got Deacon. I've written down Deacon BF here because it ran out of room. It's not Deacon Buttfuck. It is Blackfire. We covered that on the cult. Ah, yes, we did. Yeah, that, that dude. Yep. Um, this is also the same year we got Vegeta from Dragon Ball Z. I was going to say, isn't he Dragon Ball Z? Yeah. And then I'm like, no, we're talking about comics, so probably not. A lot of big, loud, screamy, larger-than-life characters, and out of the shadow steps, the dorkiest little librarian man yep. with a puppet. Yeah. And that's it. That's all he is. Yeah. He's fucking so wonderful. And we don't get nearly enough of him. As you've mentioned, eventually Arnold Wesker gets removed from play. Mm-hmm. Um, Peyton Riley takes over. Then in the New 52, we've got Shauna Belzer, who didn't use Scarface. She had Freddy, who had drills in his hands. Oh, and she oh. was not a ventriloquist. She was a gross, anorexic, unwashed psychic who would just move it with her mind. Mm-hmm. It was terrible. I like Batgirl and I like Gail Simone. Yep. But I would have liked Peyton Riley fucking way better. It was it, it is what it is. <laughs> I didn't really like the artist that stepped in at the time. Um but Peyton Riley is a character I like. Yeah. I like the element she adds to the ventriloquist like acts. You like what Peyton Riley adds to the act. Yeah. Um you're obviously gonna go into her origins a bit. I will. I read them. This is about all you get, because she does not have a lot of appearances, and I think that might help her case. Possibly. Because it comes in, it's good, it's out. doesn't yeah. have time to get weird retcons. It doesn't get cheesy. It doesn't get overused. It's just a nice little fucking in and out. Yeah. The best one-night stand you've ever had. But... <laughs> look, I like what Peyton came in and did. Even if it was for a little bit, it added... It was just different elements, but still with the same puppet. Yeah. Like, instead of just being... Because oh, Arnold Wesker was very shy, and he's like, oh, I don't know, Mr. He's Scarface. He's subservient. Yeah. And it, I like their split personality thing, but in this, Scarface is more propping her up. Mm. She's like at a low point, and the, and the puppet is like, hey, don't grow out like a punk, let's do things. And then it added a sexual element, it, which feels wrong. And... It, it's, I think it's good, though. Yeah. Because that definitely adds something that Arnold Wesker never could have done. Yeah. Well, he could have, but it would have been really, really awkward. I don't want them to do that. I, I, I like the way it's done. She has a split personality that is screaming vengeance on the Gotham mob. Yep. She's also in love with this side of her. Yeah. Which, and that's... I know, I know it's just played off as a weird sexual moment. But there's a lot of psychological fuckery in there. And I got into a little bit of that. Good, because I love it. Okay, so, as I said, she was shot in the face. 
She happened to be bleeding out in the room next to where Wesker and Scarface had been. Yeah, she was just in like a mob firing squad facility, I guess. Yes. Um, and like you said, the relationship between Peyton and Scarface is very different from what we're usual, like used to seeing. When yeah, normally, to these guys. yeah, normally Scarface is the guy bossing everyone around, and in this one, he's kind of like propping her up to get vengeance on the mobs that shot her in the face. Yeah, and I think it's it's Scarface with a vendetta, which is rare. It is, mm. but it's also I think, and this is my very you know amateurish take on things which is fine because they barely use her so you can sort of play with it a little bit in your mind he feels sorry for her and sees that she was almost like a puppet when she was alive sounds weird but when she was alive she's just a trophy as character yeah she was used as a puppet she was you know just given between people and she never really had a voice or a character or an opinion or a look or anything like that. But when he comes into her life, she all of a sudden sees this new way of experiencing things. Hmm. Um, And she does. She goes from a very meek character to this almost drop-dead gorgeous woman who knows what she's after and is going to get it and she doesn't care what that means, as we'll see in the next issue. It's a weird little serendipitous piece of, I'm going to say more, not even conspiracy. It's conspiracy thought, not trivia or conspiracy. Mm. You bring up that she looks a lot like Jessica Rabbit. I do. Same year as the ventriloquist was first introduced as a character. Weird little small world thing there. Kalinky dink. Um. So. So. Oh, and the other weird thing is that Scarface uses pet names. Yeah, I I don't like. He doesn't do that previously, but he he does call them pet names, and we see them like both praising and saving each other, which I feel is a very different aspect of both characters. They're supportive of one another in a weird way. Yeah. Which is weird because it's one person talking to herself. Yeah. Um. Yep, so she's there and she's the people shooting up the bar. Peyton to get is back the one into that has the managed story to lure her ex-husband into the bar. Mm-hmm. Or into his own office, technically. Um, as they take him as a hostage. Yep. Uh, I really like the panels showing Zatanna like use her magic. Like Dustin gets really flashy and cool with it. I like yeah. the theatrics of it. Looking at it, the smoke resembles my tattoo a little bit. Yeah, it does. Um but we see a lot of, like, just plain boring stars and glitter and smoke when she's doing her tricks. But I like... There's, like, a level of supernatural power in his design that yeah. you don't see a lot. Yeah, definitely. Um, it, it, it makes it kind of fun. I just wanted to point out that she seems almost omnipotent when she's in the motions. It's mm. cool. Um... Even though Zatanna can't really do too much, she does manage to save the club from burning down. However, Bruce and Sabatino are basically kidnapped. Yeah. Um, they're thrown into the getaway cars. Um, and at this point, Bruce starts to actually realise who Peyton used to be. However, Scarface wakes up and he mistakes the realisation for flirting. And we get basically a car fight 
where Scarface is thrown out a window. I love that she had Scarface knocked unconscious. Yeah. Her narrative is... That's why I love the ventriloquist and Scarface as a character. It's the same shit I like about Two-Face. Yeah. It's the just the most dead black and white duality ever. Yeah. Um... And I do like the little cop shootout. And that's how the first issue ends. That is the end. Until... Until we the pick issue 844. 844. Mm-hmm. Um, it comes out in July, and it's called Curtains. We have the same creative staff, so I'm not going to go through them again, but mm-hmm. they're good. Um, and we jump straight back into Bruce dodging bullets until, like I said, Scarface is literally tossed out of the car. Yeah. And Moosey decides to pistol whip the favourite billionaire in the face. You want to talk about Moose real quick as a character? You can talk about Moosey. I think he was introduced in the animated series where they wanted to individualise generic-ass henchmen a little better. Yeah. Because, you know, they did that a lot in the 60s Batman show. Like, they would have returning henchmen. Mm-hmm. And henchmen with a life are kind of more fascinating, as we've seen by Venture Bros. And Rhino was like the big bulky ventriloquist henchman. Yeah. I liked I, just, I liked him as a character in the animated series. I just want to give him props. I like when a dude towers over Batman. Yeah, that's I, impressive. Yeah, I, I like that Batman's not always the tallest or the biggest dude in a room. Hmm. He can't always be the big Frank Miller, like, Hulk. Yeah. Know? It just doesn't make sense for the stuff that he does. Mm. And I do like when Rhino tries to trick Arnold Wesker back into being the ventriloquist because he misses his old mob boss. Yeah. Um. So, where was I? Oh, yes. Bruce is pistol whipped. Yep, he gets done. And he wakes up in a strange room, tied and gagged to a chair. Again, I love that Gotham is either high-class casinos or shitty crack house. And nothing's in between. No in-betweens. Um, Sabatino is sitting next to him in a very similar condition. However, he is wearing a pair of concrete shoes. Like the most stereotypical mobster concrete boot sleeping with a fish's shit. Um, this is where we get Peyton explaining how she got into her current predicament. Mm-hmm. Um, I have literally taken this from the comic. That's fine. I like... it's the most easy, like, full explanation that I could possibly even hope to give you. Yeah. Do you want to say something? I, I just, I like... I like... There's something about the scene where Scarface is a very calloused and roughly chiseled dummy. Yes. And Peyton is, like, the smoothest, most spotlessest character. Yeah. And it really pushes my contrasting fan thing it, it feeds my tastes really well yeah um so she explains her father a leader of the irish mafia had broken off an engagement with the man she loved um to offer her hand in marriage as a peace offering to the heir of the italian mafia which is sabatino like like we said she's just a trophy wife as a, that's her character mm-hmm. may as well be made um, out of cardboard it was a loveless and abusive relationship and one time she had actually met the original ventriloquist just through the line of business 
because Sabatino had been caught stealing and the only reason that Scarface decided not to kill both of them was because he had taken a liking to her. Later, Sabatino would have both her and her father killed. Yep. Technically blacked. Yeah, these happen. they're in the mall. This happens. Um, however, Peyton managed to survive the hail of bullets. Mm-hmm. Um, she was in one of her father's, like, safe houses that all of the mafia used, um, which happened to be in the next room where... Scarface and Anna Wesker were both murdered. Like I said, I just think it's a place where you kill dudes. This is a, it's just a firing squad facility. Yeah. Um, so as she's bleeding out, she goes and investigates. She finds Scarface is still able to talk to her. Um, and he inspires her to grab him and drag herself off to hospital. Where she makes nearly a full recovery, except for one side of her face, which is basically covered in scar and her eye is... I love that reveal. The bullet went, like, through her eye and out the, like, out the temple. Yes. That that reveal when she moves her Jessica Rabbit hairdo and it's just, like, a big white glass eye and just scarring. Yeah. Um, and Scarface in this is very much... Like, he looks like he's being smashed against a couple of rocks and glued back together. Mm. He's very rough. Um, after she explains this, the villains go to see if Sab- Sabatino can swim in his new shoes. And we see Zatanna reveal herself quickly and change Bruce into Batman. Yep. And man, do I wish I could get changed as quickly, just in general, not even when it comes to getting into a costume. Like, it's an instantaneous change. Um, Either way, the pair make their way down to give Sabatino some swimming lessons. Yep. One way put in it. Look, I thought it was a nice little throwback. Um, The pair get down there and a fight breaks out. While the fight is carrying on, Zatanna manages to talk a little bit of sense into Peyton. Um, Because she's not completely a lost soul. No, she's just... She's very, like, seeing red when it comes to him. Mm. Which, totally understandable. He had you and your father killed because he's a shitty person. Yeah. But it's still, like, the Harvey Dent thing. There's still a person in there as well. Yes. Um. Basically, it ends with Peyton grabbing a hold of Sabatino and throwing both of them off the pier into the dark, muddy borders. Yeah, she goes down with him. Because he's like... He gets enough rope to try and strangle her off of himself. Yes. And she's kind of like, fuck you then. <laughs> and they both go over. Look, it works. Um, We then flick back to the Batcave. Where Scarface is being added to the trophy room. Well, do you want to talk about one bit here as well? When Scarface tells her to jump. And she does... And he says, I loved you after the fact. Yeah. Look, I like that he's just a dummy and just an item of insanity in Gotham City. But I like when they're almost supernaturally. Obviously not as far as they did in the New 52, but I like... It's like that... I want it to almost be like the dummy that Chucky's based on. 
Yeah. What the fuck's his name? I feel like it. The, the the spooky doll that's telling the child things and is doing things around the house. Yeah. Because all of my, all my favorite supernatural things are just like such a concentration of human misery that that's where a lot of the sinisterness comes from. Yeah. I feel like Scarface as an item would probably oh, follow sure. that line. Yeah. As one of the worst mobsters in Gotham. Um. Yeah. Yeah, and he ends up in the cave. Yeah, so he ends up in the back cave as in the trophy room. I got I'm gonna have to reread more detective to see how he come back out of the cave. Yeah. Um the crime fighting pair discuss Peyton and the puppet. Um basically they're both lamenting like Peyton's life. And how, like, they understand how she was drawn to Scarface, but that it's sad that it came to that. Mm. Which, of course, will then bring us back around to the pair trying for their own romantic relationship. Um, And in which Bruce claims that he wishes that he could, but he knows that it's not the right thing for either of them because his first priority is always the protection of Gotham and his role as Batman. Yeah. And Zatanna agrees with that. Um, and that, you know, she doesn't want a relationship when her partner is more passionate about his demons than he is about her. Yeah. And... Um, but she knows it can't be helped with Bruce as well. And which that, is, and which is good. I don't want her to do, like, a get-better spell on him. No. But that's the thing, the two part terms are really good ways, but it's a really lovely look at how two people can follow their brains over their hearts when it comes to that kind of decision. Yeah. And it's kind of a fitting end for the story because we have this look at two separate couples, one that is purely driven by emotion in Scarface and Peyton. Yeah, it's all vengeance and hatred and a little desperation. And she's a hurt person. Exactly. Not just physically, but emotionally. And then you've got this other one that's extremely logically driven through, you know, even though they know it could go there, neither of them are going to take it there because it's not in, like, best interest. Hmm. They can have this relationship that they have without having to muddle it in any way. Yeah. And it's not... At no point does it ever say that one is better than the other or anything like that. It just kind of shows the importance of having a little bit of both at all times. Um, And that's kind of where this storyline ends. So how do you feel about this issue? Um, These things, it's just two issues. It is. But it captures so much of Gotham so well. And I know that's just because Paul Dini has that way about him. Like, he likes to flesh out and go into details with his characters in a way that doesn't get done... Maybe not... I don't, I don't want to say not done enough, because a lot of people attempt to do that, and it often comes out wrong. Yeah. He just he reads characters in a in a very well way. I think a lot of his characters, for him, aren't characters. They are people. Hmm. 
and he has a very clear understanding of what their end position is and is able to work back from that. Yeah. It's, it's the same way as when you have people that do like a TV show or a movie series that run for a very long time. By like the third or fourth season, movie, whatever, they know that character and they can sit there and read something and be like, oh no, they would never act like that. That's not, mm. you know, this is how they would do stuff. I feel like he has that conversation with these people. Yeah. They're not just characters for him. For him, they are a living thing that he's just recording the history of. Because um, honestly, that's the only way I can assume that you manage to do this. Yeah. Like... Well, you've got his storytelling. You've got um, Dustin and Derek doing their thing with the art. Yeah. It's all very sleek and nice looking. No, no one really ever has their eyes completely open. No. And that's just their style. But it still looks... I, I like the way it looks. And... All the characters you get in it are so well done. You get good ongoing ca- use of characters. There's a good penguin. The Scarface in it's fun. We get a different version of him than we're used to, but it still mm-hmm. works. Um, we get Batman and what he- it's like having a relationship with that guy. Mm-hmm. But we're also getting good quick in and out characters. Like Peyton Riley is gone at the end of this. Mm-hmm. So it-, it gives you a little bit of everything almost. The only thing it's missing is like the Bat family itself. However, you can't have them around all the time. Yeah, but I'm saying this is almost a quintessential example of good Gotham. Yeah. And that's like the one detail it's missing. Yeah. Like we don't see Commissioner Gordon or Robin or nothing. But we still get Zatanna, which is... She's obviously not like a Gotham character. I'd put her out there with like Black Canary. Yeah. Like I I pop in and out. Yeah. I got places to be. Yeah. Um... How do you feel about the death of Peyton? Do you feel wronged? Honestly, no. An important thing in good characters and good storytelling is a good exit. Mm-hmm. A curtain has to close at a point. Nice callback to the titles there. I think that's why it's called that. <laughs> I, I see what you yeah. did there. But be, she comes in. She's really great. she got that femme fatale going, but she also got the gore with her head. She got all the. She's got a very good Scarface element, and then she's out before anyone can ruin it, or it can outstay its welcome, or it could get New Fifty Two and become really slutty and stop start breaking the fourth wall and become a weird tank girl Deadpool hybrid, mm. and then they put her in Suicide Squad and it just is so far from what it used to be and it's not perfect anymore and Arlene Sorkin can't do the voice anymore and I'm not, I'm not bitter about anything. <laughs> But you know what I mean, though? She, it's like a good one-hit wonder. She's the Chumbawamba of Gotham. All right? She tub-thumping. Okay. I, I look forward to getting further in my notes because, man, you're, you're going to lose it. Um, do you think that these two issues give you enough that you can read them standalone? Or do you think that you need to read a bit more of, like, Peyton Riley's stuff? Because of what, 25, nah. 26 issues she's in? Yeah, but she doesn't appear appear like she her existence takes place. She hangs out with Hush a little bit after at, at a point, but this one explains enough of her origin that you're good. Mm. I think you can just walk straight into this one blindly. Okay. Do you think so? I I do. I, I, I just I, I only I read 
Because I, I come into this with a lot of context already. So, so I can, I'm not always the best gauge. I read her very first issue. Mm-hmm. Somewhat by mistake, but it was enjoyable. I remembered her first appearance issue number, not the story arc number. Yeah. So my apologies for God. And then I read these two issues. I also read a different issue in there because you also gave me that number and it was wrong and it had nothing to do with Peyton Riley. I got confused. Anyway. Um, so I read her very first issue and I read these two. I think these two give you more than her first appearance. It gives you a quick summary of where you're up to and then it expands it really well. Yeah, and it doesn't... Like, you don't start with an appearance. You start with this very sophisticated, suave, just Rabbit-esque person. And instead of Roger Rabbit, you've got grizzled, kind of got a lisp dummy. But then you end up seeing that that's not who she was. Mm. It's who she's become because of what she was. Like, she doesn't... When it was going through the flashback, it actually took me a minute to be like, oh, that's her. Do you, Even think, she, do you think she grew her hair out or is it a wig? Um, probably just grew her hair out. I'm just, I'm just wondering. Because she does look very different in between, like, her fragile original state and how she is in this. Yeah. Um, do you think they would ever bring her back? Because we never actually see her die. Well, I kind of wanted it. Because when they were hinting at a ventriloquist in Batgirl, I was super on board for her dynamic. Yeah. As great as Arnold Wesker is, like you said, that suave Jessica Rabbit, femme fatale, coming in and dealing with young Survivor's Guild era Batgirl. Yeah. Would have been fun. I think it would have brought out a lot of imperfections in Barbara. But yeah. No, but no, we got that weird anorexic psychic who sucks and went by the name Shabby Shauna. And Freddie had drills, and he wasn't. He was very sexually aggressive. I fucking hated it. Um, I would have liked to have seen more of her. Obviously, any Scarface we get is normally good. Yeah. Because Arnold is very well done. And Alan Grant and Norm Bright Fogle did a good job of putting the character in place. So it's, it's easy to pick him up at any point. Yeah. Like, the people writing it know... His rules, his limits, what 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 the go is. Yeah, I'd like to see more of them. Cause like I think Sabatino, he had he had concrete shoes on. There was no getting away from it for him. Yeah. But if she could manage to find a way out of the rope, she would have been fine. So. I don't know. And we've seen characters on themselves back to life a million times. This is true. Fuck, we even got fucking Peter Parker's parents came back briefly. Like nothing's in the realm of impossible. That is very true. Hmm. Now we are faced with a very um, difficult uh, position. Mm-hmm. I forgot to write a homework question. Sorry, right, we always do a last minute at best. <laughs> you want to do the quick lazy one of what small time characters? Oh, you know what? What in and out quickly characters did you enjoy? What in and out quickly characters did you enjoy? I don't know, I just, I know that um, Peyton Riley's like a really good example of that. Yeah. It'd be hard to think of any on the fly because we didn't think of a question. You could pause the recording and we could just meander around the house looking at all my crap until one springs to mind. So what, we're, we're going with something that's like, like two a, issues. Like a one-hit wonder character, not even just in comics, but video games, TV, no, but, yeah, or however I'm, you like. I'm thinking like a quick in and out, you know, doesn't really affect anything. 
character. Yeah. Hmm. Okay, I'm going to pause. Just because I... We'll be back after these messages. So who's your one hit? Welcome back, everybody. (laughs) So I like implied adventures. Okay. I like something that is quick, easy, but gives me a lot of, like, while I do my 12-hour shifts at work, I can sort of pretend fan fiction think about sequels think about what you could do with it after the fact Mm. so i'm once again going with um elizabeth from frankenhooker i only appears in one movie Mm -hmm. but i have mentally set up so many villains for a sequel (laughs) or an ongoing comic series can't you just imagine uh, I'm trying to think of a very specific... Brian Boland, the dude who drew Killing Joke. Mm-hmm. Don't you just want to see a Frankenhooker grabbing, like, a like a, like a woman-beating pimp around the collar and she just, like, shouts want a date at him in a threatening manner with a big lightning bolt behind it? That, that old dude who's, like, the end is nigh. You know, he has the big cardboard cutout and he's at the front of the bar. You know, remember him? Yeah. I'm, I'm sorry about how niche my answer is. It, it is a little niche. I could have gone with Condiment King or something, but because I have a passion for my answer, this is my one. You could, I could picture him, that dude, immediately going home after seeing her headless corpse get dragged out of the bar <laughs> and then presumably see her on the news or something later as the events of the film unfold. Mm-hmm. I could imagine... I'm, I, I hate myself for this because I'm not a fan fiction person. <laughs> I could picture a comic book opening as we see that man immediately walk home and just start loading a shotgun. And the little... It's not even speech bubbles, it's the narration bar. Mm. It's probably a greyer tint than normal ones. Mm. I've seen the apocalypse. And she's purple. As he loads a fucking gun. I can't help it. And you... I'm sorry, I can't. It's... it's I, I did ask for this, so... Mm. Mm. I should have spent longer coming up with an answer, because like this I is mean... more me just talk. This is me letting you in more than I'm supposed to. <laughs> okay. Well, then I'm going to take over here. And I'm going to go into something that I really enjoy. Fuck. Well, Age both is bad. Okay. Um, the character particularly of Dottie Underwood. Um, Refresh me. Is she the... I don't want to spoil things for your answer, but is she the widow? The black widow, yeah. yes. Yeah. Um, she starts off as, like, this sweet, southern, like, just moved to New York girl. However, as she's only in the two seasons of the show. Yeah. So I like feel like it's... a lot of Agent Carter isn't built in the comics. No, it's mostly... Like, she is in the comics. They had to go to a lot of more effort to flesh her out as an individual Mm. in her little time universe. Do you want to know some really fun topical information? You're making a funny face, so sure, go for it. I was going to tell you anyway. No, I assume. Daniel Sousa, Mm -hmm. who is the lead male in the Agent Carter The guy who gets cucked out by um, Captain America when he returns in the final film. Look, I have managed to, in my brain... Make a way for both of them to work. You did the time... You did the timeline time thing. I'm paradoxing, splitting. Both of them get what they want, which means I get what I you want. Broke, which is both of them having what they want. You broke time and space to give Peggy Carter two separate, delightful, happy endings. Yes. 
Because she deserves it. She deserved two of them. She deserves two. And both of those boys are gorgeous. They deserve two, two. Two, two for everyone. Look, it's, it's been a long time. So for all those who are having trouble remembering. It's been a long time. Oh. Yeah. That's the song that they... Oh, is it really? Yeah. My bad. I didn't mean to pun you. Um, <laughs> you Finally, you crossed to my side of the sarcasms. Sorry for punny rocking. Um, yeah, fuck you. <laughs> I take it all back. Good. I don't want it. Um, yeah, for all those people who don't remember who Peggy Carter is, she was the one who grabbed um, Steve Rogers on the titty when he came out of the machine. Yeah, that's her. It's, it's a memorable moment. It's very great. <laughs> It's just, look, she's lovely. We love her. She's, she's beautiful. Anyway, back to Dottie Underwood. Mm-hmm. So, yes, she is the, um, like, Black Widow mm. for that time. Because the way that... There is only one at a time, right? Technically, yes, there is only one at a time. Depending on who's writing it that day. Exactly. Yeah. Um, Wonder Woman's made out of clay most of the time. You're supposed to be... Like, basically, part of the training is that you have to kill the other girls in the program hmm. because only the strongest one should be the widow. Yeah. Um, so she is the one that is happened at this time. Um, she is, you know, a member of the Red Room. She gets along with a Leviathan, which is what they basically call the Red Room during this time period. Um... She never appears in comics. However, she does bear a lot of similarities to Yelena Belova, who is basically the second Black Widow to the Black Widow we know. Um, but whereas the one we know kind of defects and joins the Americans and ends up being like a semi-nice person, yeah, Yelena is a bitch. Um, and this is, like, Dottie's thing. Um, I've actually seen a lot of people relate her to the Joker because she's, like, this sadistic, homicidal sociopath who delights from the murder of people. Um, along with a bunch of other similarities between the two. Mm -hmm. But, um, the betrayal that we get from Bridget Regan is just perfect like it's what you want from a super spy because you never suspect that there is anything more to her than this beautiful little southern girl yeah until all of a sudden there is yeah and then you're constantly guessing like they hit it hard and then it produces paranoia where is it gonna go and like you know Every time she pops up, you're like, oh my god, there she is, and we're going to get her. But then, by the end of the season, she's helping Peggy, like, she manages to plea bargain a deal to, like, help bring down this other organization. And the whole time you're like, I know she's going to go, like, against and try and kill Peggy again. Which she does. Yeah. But you're constantly like... When's it going to happen? Like, it's, uh, hang on, no, she's being too nice for too long. No, hang on, there it is. Like, you're, it's just a great thing. And that's it. Yeah. We've never seen her again. She never comes up again. She never, she's just done. Yeah. But it was a character that was really engaging the entire time she was on. And every time you saw her, you were like, 
oh, I know where this is going to go, but it's not going to go where I think it's going to go. Yeah. Which is exciting, so. It's Eggman in the Sonic movie. Yeah. That's not what I was expecting, but I wasn't ex- but I was expecting to be surprised, so it doesn't count. Yeah. It, you, you sort of were doing that the whole time. Yeah. So it was really good. But I think that is the end of that. And so now, as we close the curtains on this week's episode... I have been your host, Kyle. And I've been your co-host and ongoing fucking dork, Toby DePaula. Don't forget to rate, review, subscribe, share, email, comment, smoke signal, stay inside, wash your hands. Those are good no matter what time you're listening to this, but you know. Yeah. Good night. Or... Good morning.